nobody alive on this planet could bring it all together. So let's be clear about that right up front, all right? It's been said that when we worship in song, that we're actually praying twice. Uh, we need to be aware and objective about what is taking place when we worship. Because we come from so many different places, um, so many different situations. Some had more sleep last night than others did. But we suddenly find in this gathering of people, hearts and minds pulled together and united around the theme. I'm gonna, he's going to put up for me the words that we just sung as an example. As we sang together these words, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here is the power or in the power of Christ I'll stand. It's such a powerful common confession that we affirm and can you give me one more verse can you roll it back and just give me one more verse of that song he, he didn't hear me thank you can you give me one more verse of that just that that song um, and as he stands in victory sin's curse has lost its grip on me we sang it, but let's say it. Sin's curse has lost its grip on me. Own that. Because I know that there are some here today that are feeling remorse and regret and wonder if your life was wasted. I know that. I looked that guy in the face this morning. In, in the act of gathering or collecting ourselves together, uh, there's an ancient prayer that I've used amongst us on numerous other occasions, but it's fathomless. You can't exhaust it. If you'd please put the collect of purity up. Uh, the, the, you hear the term collect, it just means to collect. That's all it means, is to collect hearts and minds together around these critical thoughts. And I want to go over them before we pray them. Almighty God, so we're starting off at the right place. <laughs> to you, all hearts are open. He sees it all. All desires are known. Everything that's going on in your heart, he knows. He's omnipotent and he's omniscient. And from you, no secrets are hid. Isn't that good to know? Even if we want to hide it, he sees it. Yeah. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. That means we need him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That we may perfectly love you. Do you want to do that? Do you do that? And worthily magnify your holy name. 
To magnify means to make larger. When you use a magnifying glass, you're looking at something that you want to enlarge so you can see it more clearly and in more detail. And magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. I pray that every day. Sue and I end our day with that prayer and go to our sleep and our rest with that prayer upon our lips, uh, spoken together. And it's, it's bottomless. I can never cease acknowledging how mighty and powerful he is, how he knows it all, how he sees my heart, and how he has sent the Holy Spirit to cleanse the thoughts of my heart by the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that I can live in that. And I want to love him perfectly. I want to rise with an amended life and love him more than I do. And I want to magnify his holy name more than I have. And I think that's something in the light of what we have shared over this last couple of days that we can now pray together. So I'm going to invite you to join me as we further gather our hearts and minds and focus upon these great truths. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, some would ask, well, why do you use a prayer that's been written down for 500 years? And I've concluded that I can't say it better. And uh, this helps me to express what is in my heart. 27, 28 years ago, uh, when we first considered the possibility of gathering people that uh, Paul and I, we met in our home and we said, what can we do for those who are counting on us, those that we serve? And, and we finally decided that the highest thing that we could do is just get people together to worship and pray and just see what the Lord would do. And then we would get together the next year, we'd worship and pray, and the Lord would do as he's done this time in some unique way, reveal some facet of his heart and mind to us. And then we'd say, well, what are we going to do next year? So, well, let's, let's get together and do this. And we made feeble attempts at trying to define what we were or who we were, and we will always have to defer that, well, let's just get together and do this. And so for 28 years, we've been getting together and we do this. And you say, well, how do I join? You don't. 
you, uh, you just participate and partake and, and find others and find fellow pilgrims that you're on a journey with and you share life and you mutually supply and find the joy of getting to know each other. And uh, some of this happened to you on Friday night at the reception. Some of you people found each other. It's, and with the sense that I think this person is going to be the friend, my friend, the rest of my life. It's wonderful to have an environment and an atmosphere that enables and allows those kinds of things to happen. We are coming to, we never really conclude these things. We just put a comma on them and then carry on at a later time. Uh, but we are bringing this to a focus now uh, at what we call communion or the Eucharist, the Lord's table. Because it's the, it's the closure of a rhythm that is important to us. And that is we hear God speak. And then we seek to amend our lives according to what we've heard God say. I want you to pay attention to this rhythm, because when it's there, there's health in life. God speaks, he says something, and he said something to you. I don't think anybody's been here who hasn't heard something that's called for you to amend your life whether it's in Brian sharing, or whether it's Chris and Donna sharing. Whoever was sharing, there's something that came through that spoke to you and called on you to rise and to walk into a new place in faith and grace. Would you, if you I don't mind if you affirm that. <laughs> I did. And so this, we, we hear what God says, and maybe we go through a moment of repentance. Lord, I'm sorry, I've been doubtful, or I've, I've been without faith for this. But I see something, I hear something, and I want to rise and walk into a new place that's seeking an amended life. And then together, with those things at work in our hearts, a desire for amended life, a desire to love our neighbor as ourselves, a desire to be done with wondering if God could ever use me because of the things in my past. Anybody felt that way? You could say, but Robert, if you knew my situation, You'd understand why I felt that way. But it has come through with a clarion call that God wants us to step out of that, step out from under that rock with shame, regret, sorrow, and maybe even the feeling that your life has been wasted because of things that are part of your past. He's called us up out of that place and now invited us to his table where his intention 
from the very beginning was to strengthen us and to enable us and to share his life with us, which was given for us so that we can rise into a new place hidden in him where we can say no regret, no shame, and nothing wasted. So we are now in process, even right now, of preparing our hearts to come to these simple elements that Jesus gave to us. Not simply as a sign, but something of substance that he intends to use to make a quantitative and qualitative difference in your life and my life. This is a prayer that leads into what is called the words of institution, having to those verses and words that we use around the time of communion, they're referred to as the words of institution. Jesus instituted something, and it's a compilation of the words found in the Gospels and in 1 Corinthians 11. Listen. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. Now listen. He stretched out his arms upon the cross. Listen. Nobody put them there. He put them there. And offered himself. Nobody took it from him. He stretched out his arms upon the hard wood. And offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. 
on the night he was handed over, yes, human agency was involved, to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he gave it, given thanks to you, Jesus was always giving thanks. The feeding of the 5,000, he was always looking up, giving thanks. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. I'm going to nuance this just a little bit because I think it's important. The scripture says, or the, the words say, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it. And gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is. Very important distinction. Jesus' body was not broken. He broke the bread. But he was given. In fulfillment of the perfect Passover lamb that had no broken bone and no blemish. If there's any residual thoughts about the fact that Jesus suffered at the hand of killers and that he was a victim and that he was a martyr, may the Lord help us to be set free from that. And to see that he stretched out his arms upon the cross and he offered himself as a perfect sacrifice. And that when he was with the disciples on that final hour with, with horrific things yet to come, a garden of Gethsemane, the, the mistreatment and the kinds of things that he had to endure before he was actually on the cross, He's saying to his disciples, this is my body, which is given and is being given and will be given. Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And the word there is anamnesis. Please bear with this. It's an important concept that we do not have. We think of remembering or recalling as simply re recollecting a certain fact that of some previous occasion. What Jesus is talking about here is a sense, remember these things, own them, remember me, own what is about to happen, and take part of it for the rest of your lives. Time folds up in this moment. Time folds up and gives way to something eternal that says, I was there when it happened. 
And he is now here in my present reality. And the life I now live, I live how? By faith in him and what he's done. Time folds up. That what happened then is brought forward into this moment now. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. And for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the anamnesis of me. There is more going on than a simple ritual and a ceremonial act. I linger on the words, this is my body, which when it says given for you is a liberty of the translators, the Greek original languages say, this is my body, which is for you. There are strong positions on what that really means. I've decided that I'm going to just listen to what Jesus said, receive what Jesus said, and that ask him upon this occasion to cause this to be everything he intended it to be, because I don't think this time-space world can give definition and clarification to something that is an eternal reality. When I've heard the theme, I've listened to the theme throughout these last few days, and really been, these lives that have been shared with us have been like living prayers. It hasn't been a teaching, it hasn't been um, some new revelation, it's just been living, pulsating, vibrating life that's been coming out of people who've lived what they're talking about. And I've listened to it, and I said, I believe it. And everything in me, my amener is going off. Something way down deep in here that I call my amener. It's going, yes, yes, amen, I believe that, yes, yes. And then I face the reality that there's things that I regret. And there's things about my own life I've looked at and I've said, what a waste of time. I wish I hadn't wasted that time. Things that I've said. 
attitudes that I've harbored. Thoughts. That Jesus said, if you think it, you're guilty of murder. Jesus sat at that table with the disciples a perfect life. Had lived his life doing what he sees the Father doing. He had no regret. He had no shame. He had no sense of wasting anything. Nothing wasted. Nothing that he could look back on and say, I wish I hadn't done that. Jesus is sitting at that table with nothing wasted and no shame and no regret. And I come to the table with regrets, with guilt, with shame, and feeling like there's, I've wasted some years. I look back on a season in my life that I called, uh, I can't tell you what I, really, what I really call them, but let's say I took very large quantities of stupid pills. <laughs> so what do I do with that? I come to his table. By the way, I think that's why Jesus says, participate in this, do this, and own it for the rest of your lives. And I think that's why we come to it regularly. And personally, I like to come to it often. Because I need to be reminded, I need to be recalibrated, I need to be refocused, and I need to, I need to, what's the word? I, I think I'm on an inventing word. Re-reckon. Reckon again and be reminded as I come and I, I, I'm nuancing something and I know it and please don't take me on and make a big issue out of it. I, I say we don't take communion. I understand that Jesus said take this and eat it. I understand that. And you can't receive something that's not offered to be taken. I, I get all that. But the picture I have is that we don't come and take something just because we want it. We come and receive something because it is offered and given. So I like to say, even this morning, we're going to come and receive through this expression of the church all that Jesus <laughs> meant this to be. Whew. I pray that calls on some faith in you to look to God to do something for you that you can't do for yourself and that will nourish you and feed you and you will feed on your, in your hearts by faith on the very Son of God and enter into something that enables the words to come out of your mouth, nothing wasted.
He's redeemed it. He paid the price for it. And he's using it. I, I want to close this so we can actually go into uh, a, a time of unhurried participation in the elements. And to soak in these things. And to think on them. And then have time to pray for one another before everybody's got to scoot and go catch flights or do whatever it is that you're going to do. For those of you in Ohio, you're thinking about the roast in the oven. I want to find this portion for someone, maybe not for everyone, but for someone here this morning. And it's a prophetic word that came through the prophet Joel. And I will just begin with verse 25, chapter 2. I will restore to you a restoration God. A God who causes things that had been denigrated and eaten up and to make it new. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Picture it. Swarming locusts. Go on. The hopper locusts. I don't know what they look like, but they were hopping locusts. We had swarming locusts. And we had hopping locusts, gnawing and eating. And if, if you've ever seen what a field looks like when swarming locusts come through and then whatever's left is hopping around and chewing on what's left, are you ready? Then the destroying locusts. What's that like? Swarming locusts? Hopping locusts? And now we've got destroying locusts. And then the cutter locust. <laughs> this is talking about ravaged property. Swarming, hopping, cutter, nasty locusts that are devouring and eating and make something that should be a beautiful field of grain look like ravaged War zone. The Lord says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore that to you. And I'm going to put you in a place of abundance and I'm going to bless you. I share that verse this morning in case there's somebody that feels like you've been visited by the swarming locusts or the hopper locusts, or the destroying locusts, or the cutter locusts. 
that's taken your feet right out from under you. In a gathering like this, I'm telling you, I know because I'm one amongst you of what it is to feel like, well, God can use them but can't use me. And my life and my story and the things that have been involved in my past are too much for God to really use me as a first-class citizen in his kingdom. I'll always be leftovers. I hope somebody else can join me. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I know what that's like. <laughs> but Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat it. Do this for the remembrance of me. Own it. It's yours. Take it. Partake in it. This is me giving to you. This is my body, which is for you. And this is my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. A slight sidebar, and then we're going to go to the elements. When Jesus sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in Gethsemane, his literal God-man DNA went into the earth. I don't know if our Heavenly Father will show us what that's like, but on the cross, when his blood was shed, Not as a martyr, but as a perfect sacrifice offered up on the hard wood. And his blood is dripping onto the ground. That the DNA of the God-man went into the earth. And it's still there. I don't know what form it takes. Thank God, I think our Heavenly Father prevents us from being able to find it because then we'd make a relic out of it. We'd build a booth or a cathedral or something. But his sweat and his blood went into the ground. The God-man is forever imprinted and in the earth. He who made it, the agent of creation, is now part of it with a very elements of his own body. I want you to see this picture. As Jesus is on the cross, giving himself up for you and for me and for many, 
and his life is given and he's offered with no regret and nothing wasted. I want you to see this picture of Jesus in his final moment and hour. He said, as he lifted his head, it is finished. There's nothing more that can be done. There's nothing more that anybody can do. There's nothing more that anybody can do for themselves because it is now finished. And then careful, watch this. He bowed his head. His head didn't drop because he was dead. He wasn't a victim. And he wasn't someone who had just collapsed in the face of Roman soldiers that had crucified him. He bowed his head. And what? Gave. He gave and he gave and he gave. He was never without being in full command of his faculties. His very last acts was to bow his head and to give up his spirit. What a savior. One more verse. It's too important for me to omit. And it's for, it's for some here today that are trying to make sense out of what I'm saying. Well, how do I bring what I am to this table and expect to go away being any different than when I came? Because I've got things that I regard as waste and things that I regret. What do you do with those? Practically, now, speaking, what do you do with that? What are you going to do with it? God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Did you hear that? He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not. To nullify the things that are. 
<laughs> I'm getting happy. I want to hurry up and get to the table. What this is saying is that Jesus has a divine exchange program that he wants to engage in your life. Which says we bring the despised things. And, and we bring the lowly things. And we bring the things that are not. And he chooses the things... He chooses the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Priscilla, let me, uh, I'm going to use you for a moment. If you've got something that you really don't want, and let's just say it's some old garbage. And I say, you give me that. And in place of that, I'm going to give you a basket of fresh, ripe fruit and grapes and bananas and apples and everything else that you would like. It just seems too easy, doesn't it? Here, you take my garbage, I take your fruit. But that is exactly what Jesus is saying. We bring the things that are lowly and the things that we regard as wasted and we bring them to him and he takes them and says price has been paid for that here. He takes something that doesn't exist to bring to nothing the thing that does exist. Can you hear that? That is supernatural. That's not mind control. That's not, give me another word. It's not make-believe. It's real. We're going to come to that table. It's been prepared for us from the very hands of Jesus. This is centuries old, what we're going to do, but it's, it comes from the same mandate. It comes from the same transmitted through the church. It is the same thing. And when we come to it, it is no less significant than it was from the hands of Jesus on the night of his suffering and death. It is no less significant, no less valuable, and no less empowering. I hope some of you are saying, well, let's get on with it. I want to get there. I want some of that. I want to be strengthened. I want to have an amended life. Nothing wasted. I want to get to that. No regrets. Because I've put all that in the hands of Jesus. And I think that's why he wants us to do it as often as we will. Because we forget. 
And we tend to default back to what we can remember. And what Jesus is saying, come. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Own it. Live into it. And do it often. And live your life in the light of it. Thank you for allowing me just to invite you into a place where my heart is this morning. I think I understand a little more what Jesus meant was I was eager to share this with you. And I'm eager to partake of it with you this morning. Paul is is going to come and assist me. We're going to pray over the elements. And then we have four stations that we're going to have where you can come forward. And I encourage you, don't rush, but receive communion and then go to some other place. Dennis, do we have prayer teams that could be spontaneously? Well, There'll be people that are here to pray for you if you have specific things that you would request prayer for. We're going to make room to wait upon one another in the Lord's presence and to soak in this. Paul, if you'd please come. This is the body of Christ, which was given for you, the bread of heaven. Let's let's eat together. While we're eating, uh, I just want to restate, I've been reading it while you were speaking, the John 7 where Jesus said, this bread is my body. This bread is my body, which I give for the life of the world. So we're receiving this for our own lives and participating in his gift for the life of the whole world. We receive him with gratitude. Amen. And our Heavenly Father, we pray not only over this bread, but over this cup. Mm -hmm. And we set it apart to be what you said it is. And as we dedicate this and consecrate it to you for the fulfillment of your command, we pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to abide upon this and upon us that everything you intended this to be shall now reign upon us. It's the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. for the forgiveness of the world. Thank you. Amen. If those assisting us with communion, and as we move into communion, I'm going to ask that if uh, maybe a couple of the musicians, if you can do a a pared-down version of your, your worship support, if it's possible for you to come forward first 
and then to assist us with some uh, worship music as we continue. Is that possible? I know that I'm, I'm, I'm hitting you with something that you did not previously request. 